Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank so Jamie, uh, it's been a long time since I was in London and, you know, I fear that my time in Vancouver has made me out of touch with, okay. your, with your average Londoner. And so uh, I've got an important question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, every kind of borough in London were to fight each other, who would okay. win? To the death. Okay, to, to the death. Um, okay, I mean... So how how am I are we going on the people that live there or am I characterizing the borough as a person is it being represented by some kind of uh creature mm. and or humanoid figure that represents the the borough's um vibe or or mm. is it just literally all the people So so uh they can grab the, so everyone starts with no weapons uh, okay. but you can grab what is around you uh, okay. So, like, but from shops specifically. So, um, two. Uh, yes, the borough is also fighting alongside the people of that borough. So it's wait, like wait. So, it's, so it's the kaiju. people. It's the people and the borough's kaiju. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The people are like the uh, ground forces, and then the kaiju's are fighting in the sky all at the same time. Um. Okay. Uh. Right. I. I think I have my answer. Yes. And it's going to be Croydon. Interesting. Uh, and there's 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 reasons for that. Is Croydon's Croydon a shithole. Croydon is in London. Oh, you have been out of London for quite a while, Alexander. I, I, honestly, I always just thought Croydon was somewhere nearby, but not actually London. I never uh, Croydon is very far, very far south, uh, but not really that far south. It only feels very far south because travel across South London is very bad and they should improve their transport links. Anyway, I'm going with Croydon and there's a reason for that. Um, Croydon is a shithole. Uh, apologies to anyone listening, Croydon. I hate Croydon. Um, but it does happen to be the second largest borough in London. So just on numbers alone, uh, they've they've got a pretty hefty advantage. I believe they have around about 30,000 more uh, people than the third largest borough. And then, you know, we, we're going down quite a, quite a strong scale. You know, City of London's only got about three people in it. So they're going down pretty early. Um so, so sheer numbers all, but, alone. But, but you got to think about the city of London, all right? It is a financial monster. Their kaiju is quite impressive, even though yeah, no one lives there. yeah, yeah. But the three people commanding that kaiju, who also have no fight in them at all, um, uh, will be going down quite early. So, uh, Grin is a shithole, but uh, I believe uh, being born in a shithole makes you stronger. So, firstly, I do believe not only will these people be numerous, uh, they will be angry <laughs> because they live in Croydon. Um, but you might be saying, well, it's only the second largest. Why are you not picking Barnet? If we're going on largest population Sorry, alone, Barnet? why would... Barnet is also an area in North London. Oh, um, but uh, but uh, the key distinguishing with Croydon is it's uh, a little bit more of an industrial zone. So I'm worried about this robot kaiju that's going to come out of uh, Croydon that is clearly just going to be very mechanised and just tear its way through any other kaiju you could get. Um, so I am going for Croydon on the fact that its people will be numerous and angry and its kaiju will be mechanised. <laughs> I appreciate that um, your your uh, belief in the people of Croydon is the uses the same justification as Bane. Uh, like, <laughs> ah, I was born in a shithole. Precisely. You have merely adopted it. Precisely. You think the people of Croydon aren't going to absolutely destroy the people of Kensington and Chelsea? I have no doubt of that in my mind. That and you know, true. I'd love I would love to vote for my home boroughs of either Lambeth or Southwark. But you know, those demographics have changed. We're we're wet sop sopping blankets these days unfortunately um hey, uh, hey, and i, I recognize that i am also contributing hey, to that of, problem like, middle-aged middle class you know uh yummy mummies i'm sure can put up a fight all right you know the people of wandsworth <laughs> will rise up against uh, the other country um but yeah so i am sticking with my answer of croydon thank you very much uh for your very interesting question um and with that we must carry on and go hello 
Welcome to Blank Spank, Season 2, The Hathaway Stashaway. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Uh, Jamie, uh, you're wearing a white shirt. And I, I am I wearing a white shirt. I feel like for a second, I'm getting an image of uh, you, uh, age 17. Uh, you're, you, I've got to be honest, your face hasn't aged a day since I've met you. <laughs> so I can only assume you also looked like this at 17, too. Uh, you do. Ha- you seem to be drinking from the same uh, fountain of eternal youth as Paul Rudd. Uh, so congratulations on that front. Um, are, does your shirt have short sleeves? And this is my actual question because I think it's oh yeah, maybe it does have short sleeve. Yes, short sleeve um, order. Uh, I I am normally we record these on the weekend. We're recording midweek, so I am currently in between tutoring lessons, wherein I have to wear uh, some form of um, uh, of nice shirt. Uh, if I step away from the camera, though, Alexander, you will see that I am wearing grey short, grey sweatpants shorts underneath. Something oh, my students oh, never Jamie, get to see, but I'm Jamie, I'm giving you a peek behind. That's great because uh, if I stand up, of course, you'll see that I am, of course, wearing. Oh, Whoa, Alexander! Oh, oh, guys, he's showing me his penis. This is so gross. Alexander, stop it. <laughs> oh, no, he's actually just wearing boxes. <laughs> gross. Um, admittedly, it is earlier in the morning for him than it is me. Uh, I'm just unprofessional. Um, but, yeah, why would I bother? Um, uh, so, yes, I, I am wearing a, a schoolboy's short-sleeved white shirt. Um, but, uh, you know, it is relatively warm in London and I couldn't be bothered to wear uh, a thicker shirt. Slash, um, I try to wear my bad shirt. I try to wear the shirts that I wouldn't wear socially. Like if yeah. I'm, if I'm tutoring, I do have some like button down shirts that, you know, they're fine. I'm sure they were like a gift from my mom a few years ago, or whatever. Uh, and, and I wouldn't normally wear them socially. Uh, so I try to sort of burn through those. So I'm not mm. using up my nice clothes. Having said that, um, you know, for the past 18 months, I've been to maybe three social affairs. So perhaps I'm being a little bit silly and I should just wear my nice clothes to make me feel better. Now, now, Jamie, uh, by yes. this time this comes out, you will have gone to a wedding. Uh, I will have, yes. And specifically, it's the uh, the wedding uh, which caused me to uh, commit last year to uh, start running uh, for hashtag <laughs> Analyst and Get Fit for uh, Gareth and Rosie's Wedding 2K20. Uh, yep. Obviously, those plans were put off, so I. Uh, yeah. It turns out I got in shape for literally no reason at all, and I feel very angry about this. <laughs> I have been tricked into getting healthy. Fuck that shit. Uh, but of course, you know, you haven't been to a wedding in a long time. Do you remember the social etiquette? Um, is social etiquette fitting into the suit? Is that an important part of the social etiquette, Alexander? Because I might be falling at the first hurdle. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, you know, I have, to be fair, I have not been to a wedding since I was 15. I've only been to one wedding before uh, oh, because yeah. um, uh, I, I don't have any friends I, who have got married. I, I forget that some people don't come from large Catholic families, uh, which yes. means you kind of solidly go through weddings for most of your life. Yes, I have only been to one wedding before. I was 15 years old. Uh, it was my older cousin's wedding who was probably, oh, 15 years older than me, something like that. So um, uh, it was, you know, frequented by mostly older people. But I was just on that cusp of age of feeling mm. like I can hang out with them. And I got very drunk, Alexander. <laughs> uh, like, like... Uh, maybe I'm, maybe it's just because, you know, my little 15-year-old brain and it, it couldn't handle it at the time. But it definitely feels like one of the drunkest I have ever been. Um, so I can only hope that I will not be um, re- recreating that tomorrow. Uh, I do have many issues going into this wedding. Um, firstly, the not fitting into the suit. You know, I, I wasn't doing great anyway. And then I said I would get in shape. Uh, you know, I tried to, you know, over August, try to try to lose a little bit of weight. And then I went on holiday and then I had COVID. So, um, you know, <laughs> not exactly had a great opportunity to uh, do any exercise. Um, uh, so fitting into the suit, big issue. Uh, secondly, uh, this is despite the fact that neither of these people are Scottish, uh, they did both go to a Scottish university. So apparently, they have decided to have a Kaylee at this wedding. For people who don't know, who aren't aware of uh, Scottish tendencies, um, it's it's a lot of running around, a lot of running oh, yeah. around and flinging yourself about. And you know, yeah, oh, I, oh, yeah. I, I, as as not the most fit man, nor even if I were fit, I'm I'm someone who um perspires more than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akali is my worst nightmare. Uh, 
not only is it terrible, uh, and I sweat a lot, yeah. um, Scottish people are fine because they wear kilts and, yeah. you know, they get away with it. Even They can get away with even just a kilt and a shirt or if it, maybe a waistcoat over the top of that. Um, I have to wear a full suit. I'm wearing not only a suit, I'm wearing a suit with a blue shirt. Blue, not Ooh. good for sweat patches. No, no, no. Um, so I'm, my plan, I have two plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be food at this wedding. Yes. Um, I've I've been told there will be burg- burgers or something. I don't trust this. I'm not. I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> but I have been told there will be food. I am going to tactically eat food as close to the Kaylee as possible and very visibly make sure everyone can see me eating food, so I can go. Oh, oh, need need to let my food go down, guys. Don't worry. I'll I'll get the next one. So that's tactic number one. The other tactic. Is I know there will be uh, some form of an open bar. I have told not not necessarily an open open bar, but you know one of those ones where a family member might put some money behind the bar or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think that's you know, yeah, a good time at the bar, right? Like some free normal. drinks and then at a certain point, whatever. Yeah, uh, but you know that uh, allows uh, some sort of gaming of the system. Because say there was enough behind the bar for two drinks for every single person. Well, maybe mm. that's five drinks for me and one drink for old Granny Slow Drinks over there. So <laughs> I have two options. Either get so full that I am physically incapable of doing a Kaylee or get so drunk that I am physically incapable of doing a Kaylee. Now, admittedly, the Kaylee is normally an early part of the evening. The latter plan seems a little bit risky. Uh, so... I think I will be going for the uh, scoffing myself with burgers tactic. However, considering the uh, button, the front button on my blazer will already be doing a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> I do worry that I might be pinging it off uh, around about 25 minutes in. Um, I'm done. I've been talking a lot. I, could you tell that I've maybe been, we're, we're, you know, we talked about me isolating last week and getting up. We're, this is actually only three weeks, three days after our last record. I'm only just out of isolation. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I, I, I saw in the background the, uh, the lines of cocaine and I just assumed that you're just powering <laughs> through as one would expect. Now, Jamie, I, I do have to ask, you said that you've only been to one wedding before. Um, yes. Uh, how did you react when your brother didn't invite you to his wedding? I mean, that that your brother's married, right? No. Okay. No, Sorry, I just thought your brother didn't invite you to your wedding. No. I was like, wow. Also, also, if that were true, why would you bring it up? What the fuck, Alex? No, my brother is not married. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I know he's a little bit behind on the podcast. I'm sure he won't be at all sad when you brought that up. <laughs> in my head, I was like, Jamie's brother, I think, is older than us. And therefore, in my head, is married. Like, I don't yes, know yes, uh, yes. No, 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 no. Explain it further, Alexander. Yeah, yeah, explain yeah. it further how he is <laughs> presumed to well. be married, but isn't. I'm sure he will be so happy when he <laughs> listens to this. Oh dear, Alexander, uh, can you tell that we might be reviewing something that Anne Hathaway is only slightly in because we've been doing far too much banter up the top, but shall we do a little bit more? Should we let people know what's going on? We haven't done it for a few episodes. Um, Of course, people who have listened to season one will know that in season one, uh, aliens invaded, you know, they uh, wanted us to prove our worth to join the United States of space. uh, And we tried to do that by... Uh, the movies of Thomas Jeffrey Hanks. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful. There's, of course, a whole load of other stuff. You know, we were bouncy boys. There was a a place called Flomatron 8, and they had uh, a small boy, bitch boy, Trayvon Tramman. There's a whole load of stuff that you could listen to in season one, but that's not important because an even bigger event happened between season one and season two. Alexander, what happened? For I cannot tell our dear listeners what happened between season one and season two, for I was dead for most of it. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, 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 first of all, they kind of went, uh, you have failed us. Uh, you must be punished in the, in the alien voices. And uh, with a with a snap of their fingers, uh, wait, wait, no, snaps might be copyrighted. With a gentle clap, uh, <laughs> they uh, killed uh, the majority of people in the world. They just straight up were like, hey, apocalypse, you're dead. You're dead, all right? Like a yeah. tenth of decimation, a tenth of people survived. Yeah. Uh, Jamie and so the... Point. Yeah, the only people left alive are people who listen to this podcast. It's true because because we, you know, as you might know from the first season, uh, I killed a bunch of baby Yodas and Jamie brought them back using resurrection magic. Turns out the podcast now imbued with resurrection magic. Fantastic. Uh, at this point, uh, they said you must lose what you, uh, you know, appreciate the most. And I went, Alyssa, and they went, Oh, 
awkward. <laughs> Jamie, and Jamie died in my arms. Uh, this was very tragic. I had to uh, carry him on a boat uh, back to. Oh, this from space this is new. UK. This is new yeah. to me. I thought I died over there, and you got Greta Thunberg's oh, boat true, over to beat me. Well, but... I, no, no, we, we were we were originally up in the spaceship, and then they dropped us back off rather than places. Uh, okay, and but like they dropped Greta us in different places. Across the uk apologies uh, Greta Thunberg's uh wherein boat, of i i got an old uh you know ipod classic uh took other little headphones downloaded an episode of the podcast put it in your earbuds and you were brought back but you were brought back we found out uh 15 more raccoon yes uh, raccoons our natural enemies had inherited the earth after us when there were little people left uh it was just the raccoons that could uh steal our garbage and with no one to stop them uh, they grew stronger and stronger uh, each day. I brought Jimmy back, but unfortunately he came back with uh, like a little bandito mask uh, and yep. a little bit of a tail, uh, which was terrifying, but we respect him nonetheless. No, 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 Al, Al that's, that's not my tail. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apparently Jamie just tucks his penis. <laughs> you know, he's got to go somewhere. <laughs> So Jamie has a raccoon penis now that he's confirmed on the podcast. That's a furry dick. Um, anyway, uh, so that, that's 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 largely the alien stuff. But Jamie, something new has happened, all right? Oh, Obviously, okay. what we said was we need to fight back against the aliens and the raccoons. We need to yes, galvanize to, humanity. To, we need to, yeah, galvanize well, humanity to, to fight back to against the aliens. I need to give you an update on the war efforts. Uh, okay. You know, has it been working so far? Let me tell you what, Jamie. After Colossal, all right, people have started to build. Their, we've, we've been working on kaiju technology. Oh we know shit! What's going to take down the aliens? All right, I've seen enough Godzilla movies. People, you know, the reigning population. I've seen enough Godzilla movies that they know the only thing that can take down an external threat, of course, is a giant kaiju. And so you have to decide what kind of animal the kaiju is going to be. I've got the top guys over in the interstellar section. They're not okay. working on getting out into space. Well, they are doing that too. But they're also working on kaiju technology. What do you want? Okay, well, I think surely it's got to be inspired by uh, some something from either, I guess, Anne no. Hathaway's movies. I'm going to say but either. That, the, the, the problem then is, Jamie, here's my problem. Here's well, my well problem you know. <laughs> it's going to be a giant Rio bird. All right? Yeah, maybe. A giant blue A giant shitty ass blue macaw no it can't be jesse eisenberg um let's think uh well alexander we could th- you you say that rio is the only movie <laughs> in fact we've got two we've got two options you say that rio 2 is the only movie that has any kind of animals in it starring anne hathaway in fact you are forgetting two seminal pieces of anne hathaway's filmography that is of course the cat returns Okay. We could have a giant cat or cat statue. cat statue. That is true. Or hoodwinked, wherein we have many Ooh. options. We could have Ooh. a giant big bad wolf. We mm. could have a giant uh, frog played by uh, Anthony Anderson. Or we could have a giant coked up squirrel. No, J- Jamie, you're missing out. The or clear... a giant bear. There's also a no, bear in that you movie. You are missing out on the clear choice from hoodwinked, which is a giant coked up attack on titan style leader house wearing human with an axe okay, okay. so we're going for the woodsman we're going for the woodsman from hoodwink like schnitzel and is just gonna axe attack these people is how we go so yes played little... so so will will our kaiju also be um voiced by patrick warburton the voice of joe from family guy uh no no, no. joe played wolf so the wolf we're fine but then our, our giant kaiju will sound like, hello. Oh, that is the wolf. You're right. No, it was Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi, Belushi was the woodsman. It's going to be you a giant correct. German Jim Belushi. Amazing. Is that our only Anne Hathaway character? I vowed Catwoman, but a giant Catwoman feels kind of creepy. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and when, when we're avoiding that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nix that right now. We're going to go for a giant woodsman. Giant woodsman from Hoodwinked. Of course, the greatest representation of Anne Hathaway's filmography we could possibly have. Um, fantastic. Thank you very much for your update, Alexander. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you and the boys are, are on the ground uh, doing your research um, while I'm doing nothing. I'm just just sitting back here. Sorry, I had COVID. Can't can't help. Um, I've been coming up with excuses every week. And, and to be fair, COVID was a good one. Um, so this week, Alexander, we are determining whether Documentary Now 
will be the thing to galvanize humanity to fight back against the aliens apologies on last week's episode we did say we were going to do oceans 8 um and have uh your dear girlfriend Alyssa music but uh due to scheduling uh we weren't able to so we'll do that next week instead um so join us next week for our review of oceans 8 for today we will be reviewing documentary now the mockumentary series by fred armison and bill hader so it is i believe my turn to do a little bit of show context there's not a huge amount uh to talk about this um as i said it's a it's a mockumentary show where they uh it is hosted by helen mirren introducing a classic documentary and each episode is uh, parodying a different style of documentary. As I said, it is created by Fred Armisen and Bill Hader, as well as Seth Myers, who is an executive producer and writer on the show. Um, it was born out of a sketch from um, uh, from SNL, unsurprisingly, uh, from, in fact, a Bill Hader's last uh, season on uh, SNL. And I've completely forgotten the name of the sketch. I will find it for you in one second the history of punk uh they did uh an, a, a sketch called the history of punk parodying uh sort of british punk pop uh mockumentaries uh sort of in the style of this is spinal tap or something like that um and then it got picked up by ifc uh as fred and bill were both leaving uh snl that year uh it has had three seasons since one in 2015 one in 2016 and one in 2019 Uh, it is all available on amazon prime if anyone wants to watch that uh is it available on amazon prime in the states as well no uh well uh, when i live in canada you motherfucker all right north america show some goddamn respect all right all right Jamie, I want you to pull out a fifty-pound note. Do it right now. Pull it out from your wallet. I, 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 any kind of money. Do you have a coin? Do I have any? <laughs> ironically, ironically, the only money I have are a five-dollar and a one-dollar bill from the United States of America. All right, all right, Jamie, that's fine. I want you to hold those two dead presidents. Those one of whom was okay. a slave owner, right up to your face. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Does Canada have a slave owner on its money? No, it's got the Queen. Also questionable, but doesn't directly, never directly own slaves, I believe. Oh, you've uh, got monopoly fucking respect. money over there. It, fucking loonies and toonies. It what the fuck's like going on over there? syrup, all right? Fun <laughs> fact, it really does. No one knows why. It's really confusing. The Treasury claims it doesn't, but it does smell of maple syrup. Very odd. Uh, are, you, are you sure that it's not just that all Canadians' fingers smell of maple syrup at all times? So they're bringing up the money to their hands and go, mm, oh, wow, this sounds like maple syrup. Can't Sorry, figure so it out at all. You're saying that Canadians just go around sniffing their fingers all the time with the light, mm, maple syrup. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, too many weird jokes for that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, move on, move on. Yeah, moving on. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, is it available yeah, yeah, on Amazon there, Prime there in is, North America? Someone has uploaded the... The entire three series to YouTube on their YouTube channel. Uh, it has like 40 views each. Um, so I, I think just basically no one has noticed that they're directly infringing on copyright. But for me, uh, that helps very much. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, are you, let's find... I guess it's probably... I can tell you what the channel know. name is. I, well, I can, tell, I can tell you in the UK it's available on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Sucks for well, anyone else. Do that. I'm not going to encourage you to... It's not. You're not breaking the law. Someone uploaded it. It should have. Yeah. But um, um, it's also one of those ones where it has like an entry on Netflix, but it's not actually there. Like if you Google yeah, it, it said documentary now. Netflix it's, is very. It's nice. the genius thing on Netflix, which is they know that like, hey, like having a recommendation for stuff they don't have is quite a good idea because it definitely um, keeps you on the system. Uh, the YouTube channel is called documentary. Sorry, documentaries only. Uh, so if you want to check it out. Uh, there you it, go. They should be there um, um, it has been nominated j- for an Emmy in every three of its seasons for yeah. Outstanding uh, Sketch Variety Series and, in fact, got three more nominations um, for writing, music, and directing in its most yeah. recent series, which was its most critically acclaimed. Yes, yes. Alexander, you were going to say something. Uh, Bill Hader was not in the third series um, to the same extent. Was he not? As the, oh. No, as the other two. I, I believe he's shooting Barry at the same time. Ah, that would make sense. It was three years later, to be fair. The third season is very good. There's some really, really, really top quality episodes in there. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm likely going to go back and and actually watch this. Not not to spoil anything, but I enjoyed these two. Uh, The two episodes that we are looking at were the season finale for um, season two, uh, which is called My Runner-Up, My Life as an Oscar Bridesmaid, parts one and two. Um, 
not much else to say about this it's on ifc so you know it doesn't get that many viewers but i'm sure it does fine for ifc sure i mean i i want to throw out a question here though jamie because you might know okay as as uh listeners might not know uh jamie of course uh the king of comedy um you know go back and listen to our classic episode uh punchline uh is it with a with a punchline punchline uh without a punchline wasn't that the name of the play that was done in my like second year? Went to the fringe. Oh no, it was done in the uh, before my first yes, year. Yes, yes, that is. Oh, t- oh fuck anyway, it. Tom Hanks movie with the word punchline in it. I think stand it up. Be- it's just called punchline. Sure, it's just called punchline. Uh, starring Sally Fields and Tom Hanks. Uh, we we talked a lot about stand up there. That will prove uh, Jamie's bona fides. In, a, in that in we were recording, and I think we were getting to like half ten, and Jamie wanted to do another half an hour or to an hour more <laughs> to talk about stand up. Jamie, uh, Jamie, as you might know, uh, Lorne Michaels, uh, the, the the producer of uh, SNL, very famous yep. for uh, being a twat. Um, but uh, you know, you know, it, behind so much of the greatest comedy of the last uh, thirty years, and also seemingly no one who works for him liking him, uh, or if they do, then then they get shows. Um, this is produced by Lorne Michaels. Is yes. it just the case that anything based on a sketch? Coming out of SNL, he gets credit on. Uh, no, it's a case of that he backs it, it, stuff that his people stars from his uh, SNL day. Oh, fucking, hell. let me start the whole thing again. Uh, people who come out of SNL and then go on to make either TV shows or movies will generally have their stuff produced by Lorne Michaels because he wants to support his cast members and also he has money and connections. So it's less a he gets first dibs and more a he is actively supporting these projects. So you will notice that a lot of Andy Samberg's uh, movies are produced by Lorne Michaels um, and stuff like that. Yeah. That, okay, that, that's interesting. Uh, I haven't really thought of it that way. I, I'd always think that it's just something contractually which meant that, that like everything... Because I always find it funny that like Parks and Rec was uh, Lorne Michaels as a producer on, um, when yeah, like definitely no, like obviously there's a direct link in terms of the writers and the um, like stars, but not necessarily in terms of like content. No, it's just, it's just Lorne Michaels has a lot of money and influence, so uh, yeah. so he he's a producer on a lot of things. Um, IFC is uh, where a lot of there is a lot of landing. Uh, is a landing space for a lot of these uh, sort of more niche comedy things. Uh, yeah. The TV show version of the podcast Comedy Bang Bang ended up on there. Portlandia, which is Fred Armisen's other um, uh, other Teacher. sketch show, also ended up on there. Um, Garfunkel and Oates ended up on there. Uh, yeah, the it, Onion News Network stuff ends up on there. It's, it's sort of, of where like a lot of like smaller niche. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the kind of place where it's like not network necessarily, but like some smaller indie projects from like as an indie with quotation marks projects from um, people you know. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just well uh, before we uh, dive into it, we of course have to do uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where we connect this to our season erstwhile season one star Thomas Jeffrey Hanks uh, by virtue of the game Six Degrees of Separation. Alexander, can you do it? I sort of started earlier and then lost, forgot to finish yes, it Yes, you can. So the way it goes is Mia Farrow appears in the credits for the first episode. So I'm going to yep. take these episodes as one because otherwise that's too much of a faff. Because um, they're basically the, the, a two-parter. Um, yep. Mia Farrow appears in the credits of the first one. Mia Farrow appears in Hannah and Her Sisters with Michael Caine. Michael Caine appears in um, Now You See Me with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo appears in Foxcatcher with no I've done the same thing again have you gone back to Anne Hathaway yeah when Foxcatcher to Steve Carell Steve Carell to Anne Hathaway one second oh, fucking hell you Jesus. moron um, give me a second right I'm gonna I'm try and do this through Helen Mirren I don't know how uh, can I do this through Helen Mirren um Oh God! Sorry, dear listeners. We're both very bad at our jobs. Um, oh, I was so convinced. Yes, I'm like, going to oh, do it through Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren appears in uh, that weird movie Red with Bruce Willis for the second week in a row. I'm bruising Bruce Willis uh, because he stars in Bonfire of the Vanities with Thomas Jeffrey Hanks. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Sorry. Let me walk this back. All okay. Right. So you get to um, fucking hell. 
so uh, Mia Farrow's in the Hannibal Sisters with uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine co-stars Now You See Me. Now You See Me stars Mark Ruffalo, uh, who stars in Spotlight. In Spotlight stars Stanley Tucci, who of course plays opposite Tom Hanks in Jamie, your favourite film of Tom the Hanks. The Terminal! Um, I saw someone on Twitter call that the weirdest film they've ever seen, oh. and I was very upset. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, uh, we like that film maybe more than anyone. Like, oh, absolutely. I... I I what, what didn't we watch that like right at the beginning of lockdown or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it yeah, would, I, and I, it, I fully accept. I might, I may never watch that movie again because I fully accept that it is absolutely possible that, that just the mind state I was in at that time, uh, and and the, the 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 perfect storm of that movie, uh, just just made that experience way greater than it ever could be. So I might just never watch that again. I sort of have that with um, La La Land. We've talked about this before. Mm. La La Land was the movie that made me go to drama school uh, because I was sitting in the, the cinema and I sat there and was just like, oh, fuck, I really miss acting. Um, and now I can never watch it again. <laughs> um, my, my... Did you know that Stanley Tucci is apparently a sister-in-law to... Uh, sorry, no, so he's a brother-in-law to Emily Blunt. No, this uh, cannot I... be true. I'm very Yes, confused. no, I did know that. I he, did know how, that. No, but Jamie, just think for a second. This can't be possible. I want to tell you why. So this Wikipedia claims that he is the uh, that Emily Blunt is his sister-in-law and that John Krasinski yep. is his brother-in-law, but that's not possible because you to be in-laws, one of you has to be related to the other. So which one is Danny Shushi's? He's married to uh, um, Emily Blunt's sister. Oh, for fuck's sake! I that doesn't <laughs> count. That doesn't. That's not. Yes, it, that's, yes, that's, it does. Oh, that no. makes her Emily. That makes him Emily Blunt's brother-in-law. No, because like brother-in-law would be like no. He no that no, makes, no no no. Don't that's the definition of brother-in-law. Don't fuck with my brain. All right, maybe I'll give you then. Emily he's Blunt. married. No, no, to sure, Emily sure, sure, sure. Emily Blunt is his sister-in-law. John Krasinski is nothing to him. Nothing Te- to him. He's technic- just a handsome guy with abs. All right. He's just your he's just your bog standard handsome guy with abs. They are not related. I refuse. Te- yes, I agree. Technically, when you have like two people, one and those two people are married to siblings, yeah. they are not directly related to each other. I think in common parlance, you would often just call them brother-in-law. Yeah, well, guess what, Jamie? A lot of people voted for Trump, all right? There are a lot of fucking idiots out there, and I think that's <laughs> okay. a bad thing. Wikipedia, that's, change that's your it, shit. That seems an aggressive thing to compare. Um, okay, so we have connected to our season one erstwhile, uh, our erstwhile season one start time with Jeffrey Hanks, and therefore we can dive into 32 minutes into this episode. We remember when we thought this, this is, is going to be a mini-sode. Yeah, Jamie, this um, is a very easy one to sum up. We're going to do it very quickly, part one and part two, okay? Okay. Part one, there's a guy, all right? He's called Jerry, uh, it's her name is Wallach. Like, Wallach. Um, Jerry Wallach, he wants to make movies. He watched Snow Played by White. Bill Hader. Yeah, uh, played by Bill, ha- Bill Hader. He watched Snow White. He realizes he make a lot of money. He has no hair as a child. He, uh, because of uh, the magenta fever, he loses all his hair. And yeah. he goes to Hollywood to make it big. Um, all this is kind of told through kind of documentary style. So you have kind of talk- some talking heads. Uh, you have, uh, he's narrating it all the time through. Uh, yeah, clips uh, very specifically at the very beginning, you have Peter Bogdanovich being like, oh, everybody has a Jerry Wallach story, except for Jerry Wallach, because every one of his stories is bullshit. <laughs> Don't let Jerry Wallach anywhere near this documentary. And it immediately cuts to a Jerry Wallach documentary narrated by Jerry Wallach, written by Jerry Wallach. So he is narrating the whole thing. Sure. Um, you are um, right. He, as Hollywood, a kid, he, yeah. he uh, eventually He watches Snow to... White for the first time. Yeah. Loves and that uh, and that and that causes him to realize not just that he wants to make movies that there's lots of money to be made in yeah. movies. That's very specific because he realizes that the person who voiced Snow White was paid scale. That's a very key point that he recognizes. There's so much money yeah. to be made if you underpay all the actors. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes um, to he goes to Hollywood. Uh, he uh, he becomes an agent at William Morris. He eventually gets asked to become uh, the uh, president of. Um, it's not Paramount. It's meant to be Paramount. Uh, but what, well, you are you are missing out. While he's at William Morris, he signs everyone possible, including Malcolm X. <laughs> he signs Malcolm X and has his headline saying "Activist to Actor." Jerry Wallace signs Malcolm X. Um, uh, and yeah, it's not Paramount, but it, it's uh, oh, begins with a P. Can't remember. Um, um, it's like it's not Pinewood either but it's something to that effect it's like uh, one sec let me see if I can find this uh, it is ah no <laughs> silence my phone <laughs> uh, 
Very, very well done there, Alexander. Playing uh, it out loud. Uh, Beautiful. No, bad, bad phone. One second. Pinnacle. 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 There you go. Pinnacle pictures. He goes there. Um, he is making movies. He says, "What's recession-proof uh, other than uh, comedies and great tennis shoes? We need to get a star." He can't afford any of the stars in the states, so he, he um, basically goes and hires a guy from Italy. Uh, uh, called Enzo Entolini, played, played by, by uh, Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Um, he's uh, driven out of uh, Italy because his uh, 12-year-old wife insulted the Vatican. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I can't remember what it is, but it's like he's the Italian comedy neorealism or some something like that. He's the star, He's the guy who created yeah. Italian comedic neorealism. It's, it's um, very funny. There was a, there was a joke that uh, he learned comedy when uh, his mother was uh, dying of cancer and the doctor said, you need to make your mother laugh then she might get better but not laugh too much, she might die. So he, that was the point he learned uh, B minus, B plus comedy, uh, which is, <laughs> was funny. Um, so he comes across, they start making movies together and they start making money. At some point, uh, he decides to... Uh, he wants to make a kind of big movie, uh, like a kind of roadhouse picture, which is when they used to like take these movies around the country and like do it for a couple of years. Uh, the Sound of Music, for instance, was, was a, I think a roadhouse, oh, I don't think roadhouse is the wrong term, roadshow uh, picture. Um, roadhouse, of course, is the film where Kurt Reynolds, I think, or Kurt Russell, I think, like punches someone in the heart and explodes. Uh, but that's not this. Um, he makes he, someone else bought the rights to the Bible, right to the entire so, Bible, and he says it's the biggest dick move of the thickest python in Hollywood. <laughs> so he he instead uh, decides to buy one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the like banned books of the Bible, and buys the Book of Lewis. Yeah, it's all about Jesus' childhood friend, and when Jesus starts hanging out with the disciples, Lewis starts. To get jealous it's basically bridesmaids but the fucking bible um, um, and so we so get he, some clips of, of that movie being made so he does that uh, and it makes like a shit ton of money uh, but uh, doesn't get any critical love and at this point he yeah, decides d- d- that he doesn't get the Oscar. Oscar yeah this is um, when he wants to win an Oscar and that's the end of the first episode is, is like he now he's going to go on his drive to get the Oscar now dear listeners sorry Anne Hathaway didn't appear in that episode we knew that she was only credited in the second episode but sometimes we want to watch things that are good so we watched both parts of this leave us alone um, so um, we start uh, the second um, we start the second episode and Bill Hader is on his crusade to win an Oscar Mm-hmm. Uh, so of course, Jamie, what do you do? Uh, what's really hot right now? Of course, the Holocaust. Uh, so he goes uh, and he buys a novel. He kind of wines and dines this woman, uh, buys a novel which originally is about uh, a woman who survives the concentration camps, comes across yeah. to America, and, and he says, life, he... but realizes yeah. her next door neighbor was a concentration camp guard and has him prosecuted in court. Yes, and so he says, look, we need we need a star for this movie. We need someone who can uh, absolutely show all of the. Uh, pain and hurt behind the eye someone who can really show the depth of having survived the holocaust holocaust but also she's gotta be hot and so this begins their complete bastardization of uh of this story Yes, uh, so you could have seen it like yeah, played out. They see the kind of court. they're like, of course, I need to um, you know have an actor with gravitas uh, and you know heft. So of course we got uh, Enrico, the uh, pronouncing en- character, and en- en- Enzo Entolini, the the Italian comedic actor. I think he specifically calls him the Roman Polanski of method acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's what he said. I think it's they're like, oh yeah, so we uh, we got Roman, so we got Roman Polanski, the Roman Polanski of method acting, uh, which is a good joke. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, they renamed the film, of course, to Blondes, Blondes, Blondes and a Millionaire, and it ends with yeah. the, uh, the Holocaust survivor and the concentration camp guard apparently getting together. Yeah, uh, and making out. Nuts. Um, and he said, you know, we made millions by uh, just completely changing every bit of the film humanly possible. It comes yeah, up and for- it- at, well, at some point, I believe they lose their funding, and he has to make a video pitching yeah. to people so, to get funding. So where initially he goes that um, in the, uh, yeah. the that Pinnacle Pictures is being funded by the CIA, and the <laughs> yeah. CIA isn't sure that they want uh, an anti-Nazi movie coming out, or you know, movie slagging off uh, Nazis living in America coming out. So yes. he talks to his so, uh, animated <laughs> bird from. Uh, yeah, he's like. Oh, we've also got this, and and also we've got this great movie coming up called Blondes, Blondes, Blondes. Uh, so that really shows um, what we're all about here. So uh, 
I just want to show you a quick clip. And it just is Fred Armisen going, whoopity, 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 for like half a second. And then he cuts away. And he goes, well, I hope that shows that we have the gravitas to cover this topic. Um, and so they get funded and they go to, uh, he, he gets nominated for his first Oscar. Um, uh, and he's up against uh, Sidney Poitier and a bunch yeah. of other uh, films. And of course, it loses. Um uh, I can't remember which one, which movie he loses to. It's not in but the, this... the Night. It's oh, I can't remember the other one. It's the other. There's a two you would recognize the name of one of which is in the Heat of the Night. I think it's the other one. Yeah. Um, um, so we enter into the 70s and 80s. So he puts on a leather jacket and starts doing cocaine. Yeah, he was like, I realized I was out of touch from uh, you know, I, you know, uh, it was at that point that I realized I was out of touch with the the you know, youth of our culture. So I put on a leather jacket and greased back my hair and changed nothing else, um, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, he kind of starts making kind of more of these movies, trying to kind of win Oscars, um, but keeps failing. All right, he keeps uh, doing poorly. Yeah, uh, eventually he ends up losing famously uh, to Marlon Brando when Marlon Brando brought on uh, a Native American to um, uh, accept or reject the award specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe her name was Sachin Littlefeather. This is a real event. He, uh, he didn't turn up yes. to, the, uh, um, to the award ceremony and instead she gave a speech about um, the plight of Native American people. It was yeah. a very big thing at the time. Marlon sure. Brando being one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Uh, rejecting an Oscar was a yeah. really big deal. So what does Fred Armisen decide he should do, Alexander? Uh, he decides to bring an entire tribe of people from the uh, Amazon rainforest up, <laughs> telling them that if he wins, they can storm the stage. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and uh. that time he loses The Godfather Part 2. Um, I couldn't figure... Alexander, I couldn't figure this yeah. out. So they have multiple clips of... Um, the actual Oscars. Of, of the actual Oscars. But then they have the people presenting the clip say this fake movie's name. Yeah, so, so they, How have they done this? So they, they've used impressionists for the voice. So they okay. basically, so rather than using like the impression, the someone just like clip in saying, and this, they've had the impressionist like dub the overall thing. Because I was like, that looks like Julie Andrews, but it doesn't necessarily sound exactly like Julie Andrews. Um, okay. And he was like, I got turned down by Mary Poppins. Um, but no, that's how they do it. The, so basically, like for example, with the best picture, there used to just be four nominees. They basically just added in at a fifth screen. Uh, nice. It, it, it works really it well. Works it really works really well. well. Yeah, it's it's funny and it's good to use archival footage. Uh, he does say after they lose, uh, the Amazonian uh, people uh, uh, introduce him to the uh, cocaine leaf, which is <laughs> cocaine. And um, after that, he um, <laughs> is just working twenty four hours. Um, so we we enter into the nineties. Uh, he's getting a little bit older now. I think one of my favorite parody movies he makes at this point is Back from Vietnam and Upset. <laughs> Loved that movie title. Um, but so they decide to make a uh, is it another war movie? So they kind of they make like a bunch of for a while they're just making like everything but a year later so they do like a parody of the uh, Exorcist which was like a detective rabbi uh, which yeah. I thought was very funny which I, which I think the tagline was for something uh, you need someone orthodox to solve a problem that's unorthodox uh, <laughs> but uh, yes so they kind of do a big war movie um, no they do a cowboy movie I think think don't they which is what well, there's the one two, where so. they where they bring in Enzo Enterini again but this time as a director he's like oh, yeah, um, we yeah, needed yeah. Oh, the best sorry, director no, in town I can't remember that's before or afterwards but they basically bring in a, a screenwriter who's the hottest screenwriter in town who's writing the script with two guns uh like type <laughs> yes, yeah, he only types yeah. with two guns and he buys it sight on screen uh so, sorry sight unseen uh he then brings in uh Enzo Enterini again as a director, director saying complete, who has never directed before. Sure. They end up making this kind of like sex, like you know, hard they get so it's an entirely like improvised <laughs> cast. Like all the actors are unknowns and they're all improvising. Uh, and it's like a kind of like, you know, hardcore, like, you know, sex, like erotic thriller kind of thing set in New York. <laughs> and it's fisting. called Fisting, fisting of course. Yeah. Uh, and he's like uh, and it comes out the same day as uh, Star Wars. So like it opposite yeah. it opens opposite Star Wars. Uh, yeah, uh, and I believe this time they end up losing to Chariots of Fire. Um, yeah. He's very upset about losing. At one point, he loses to Forrest Gump. We forgot about that. He loses to Forrest Gump, and he's just like, "What the hell's the message of that movie? If you're stupid enough, you can meet three presidents." <laughs> Which, of course, having reviewed that movie, very good fun. Um, good uh, uh, continues point, to lose. 
they make a bunch of other movies. They make a they make a League of Their Own parody called the yeah. Shitbox Slugger with Meatloaf <laughs> instead of Tom Oh dear! Um, he then proceeds to have a heart attack, uh, and his doctor yeah. says, uh, "You can either retire and enjoy your millions of dollars, or <laughs> die trying, trying to win an Oscar." So, uh, so instead, he decides to set up a charity, a charitable organization called Lights Camera Hope, which gives filming equipment to the most dangerous gangs in Los Angeles. <laughs> And having done this, he decides to pitch to the Academy Awards uh, that there should be a philanthropic, a special philanthropic award for people who do good. And they agree to do it. They even name it after him. It's the Mark Mark Wallach? Jerry Jerry Wallach. Wallach. It's the Jerry Um, Wallach Philanthropic uh, Award. Anne Hathaway comes out to present this um, yeah. uh, and is like, <laughs> so uh, and for the She's Jerry like, okay, Wallach. The, the nominees are Sidney <laughs> Poitier for the Poitier Foundation, uh, Paul Newman for uh, Newman's Own, which is a real, you know, they sell like uh, food and stuff, but like all the profits go, uh, go to yep. charity. And, <laughs> um, Jerry Wall- and it says Jerry Wallach, director Jerry Wallach. of fisting. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't the, say four lights, camera home. No, it just I love says it, yeah, Jerry, it's just Jerry Wallach, director Wallach, of fisting. It just doesn't say for anything. And then it's uh, uh, Fred Arms and Enrico. It, Enzo Enterini for his Italian rubbish campaign. Italian rubbish campaign. And he goes to um, Enzo. Enzo Enterini. And so Enzo Enterini wins. Um, Bill Hader is, is almost dying just there in his chair. He's on death's door. And he says, okay, so I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to retire. I'm in my big home. Uh, I'm, I'm over. It, it's done with. My campaign's always, done. Always a bright Or is it? He's, and then all the way to the made another guy and he goes, or is it? Wait, 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 guys, guys, I've got an idea. Racism. What about if we just make a movie about a bunch of people from a bunch of different races and they don't like each other? And then it fades to black and it says, Jerry Wallach won the 2006 Oscar for Crash. <laughs> Which is a fantastic last joke. And as you can tell, dear listeners, from our retelling, this was delightful. Yeah. Um, we can just go straight into talking about this. This was fucking great. I think they've they've really tapped into a very good low budget way of just fitting in a fuckload of jokes. Like there's very little, like most of this is like photos or like, like short clips. Mm. There's very little like actual filming that needs to be done here. Basically the entire level of jokes are either in editing or, or um, Bill Hader's voiceover. Mm. So uh, when you're working for like a small um, network like IFC, I'm sure they don't have a huge budget. Um, so they found a really good way of yeah. just cramming in so it many jokes per minute. Reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of Community, which is the episode uh, where they do the kind of the Great Pillow for War, but they just tell it through basically the same style, like Ken Burns yeah. or documentary making. Um, and literally, the reason they made that was they spent all this money. Like, they basically had run out of budgets. Like, they had no yeah. money left. Like, they had to do an episode where it was just, you know, going to cost radically less than normal. So, like, yeah, you know, we'll build this. And then we built it for the last episode before. And we'll just take a load of photos in it. And then we can just do voiceover. And it's great. But it is, it's a really funny kind of setup. Um, I think it pays off really well. I love the crash joke at the end. I think that's really So good. Um, yeah. And uh, it's really good. There's, there's a, it's brilliant. There is a point where yeah. they kind of get back to the... Um, they try and get some more money from the CIA. <laughs> but like after the first time around, it's you know, almost an animated. This time around, it's um, like just the Amazonian tribes people just like lounging about and him just coked out of his head. Being like, yeah. please give us the cash. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've already pointed out so many good jokes. I think it it is rare that uh snl people go on to do other really good stuff um i think it's um often it's often uh difficult to to quite accept that sketch comedy is a specific style of comedy Mm. and that just being being very good at sketch comedy doesn't necessarily always transition into other forms of comedy um, but people just sort of always assume, well, oh, you're funny on SNL, you go on to be somewhere else. It's why I very much respect um, Keenan Thompson, because he's recognized, no, I've, I've been doing sketch comedy for 20 years. It's what I'm good at. I'm not like, I'm not going to move on from it. It's what I'm good at. I, I found what I'm good at. I'm going to carry on doing it because I enjoy doing it. Having said that, 
Um, Bill Hader has repeatedly proved that he, alongside, I would say, uh, obviously T- Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and then more recently, uh, Kristen Wiig and Andy Samberg, are yeah. among the people who are able to transition away from that mm-hmm. and then play to their strengths as well. I, 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 mean, uh, I think famously- that's... Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin. Um, yes, there are there are others. I was going for more recent, and and, sure. and for all and for all of those people who are successful, I could also name you yeah, well, that's, ten that's to fifteen. Thing, right? From every, every single one of those ten to fifteen people cast, who don't do well. There's you know up until recently when they've started just trying to like hold on to these people for as long as possible. Um, from every cast, maybe one person would go on to do you know would go on to have regular big work. Um, yep. Which was this. For example, like, I really love Cecily Strong. I think she is fantastic. Uh, I know she's in um, Brigadoon, uh, Brigadoon? Schmigadoon uh, on Apple TV. But, like, she's not necessarily Amy Poehler, who, like, several TV show kind of big, if you know. Yeah. You know, like, eight seasons. And, I mean, I, I might be disparaging about, obviously, a comedic legend in Steve Martin. But I would argue that his film career has whoa, not whoa, whoa, been whoa, whoa. as... Jamie, Jamie. Steve Martin was, for his time, one of the biggest film comedy actors. Like, he was. Like, like that's not... like that. I, I recognise that you might not know the movies, but, like, Steve Martin was very much, of his era, one of the largest comedy actors in film. Like, Steve Martin is better known for com- his, his movies than he is for SNL. Mm, I'm I'm looking through. I am like, looking through. So he started in SNL in 1990. I I would, in fact, it may well be that he has had a little bit more of a. I'm I'm sorry. I am looking at this. So a razor head is sorry. One second. I need to go to like films he's in because they're they're showing to me in a weird way in uh, Wikipedia. But like. So one, Eraser Head is a critically acclaimed film. Little Shop of Horrors is a you know is still a cult classic. He was in the uh, Muppets movies cameo, Celeso. But um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles of its era was a really I think it was the biggest movie of that year. Parenthood and those are, Parenthood, and those are all, Parenthood was a big and, and those are TV all spun off it. before and those are all before he went SNL. on SNL. Sure, but like, so my, Father, my point my point is post SNL, sure, Steve Martin like, has not Brian, done Father as Brian much. Too, um, the even the Prince of Egypt, weird. Uh, du, 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 du. I, I, of course, I think, uh, I, even the, even like the cheap brother doesn't too like the, like they made two hundred million dollars. Like they made a lot of money. Dollars. They made. I'm not. I'm not saying they didn't make a lot of money. I'm saying his funniest stuff that he has made were either during his SNL years or before his SNL years. That's that's that would be that's my claim. Not necessarily most critically su- <sighs> most most commercially that? successful, but his most funny things his his most successful in being comedy um but, but that is that's, because but, but again even then right, that would be a why is he not even showing up for razorhead here this is weird um this is a, a weird list of his films because yeah one sec it, oh, could it be because that's could it be because he's not in yes because it because he's not in a razorhead oh i th- always really looks like Steve Martin to me what am i thinking of where I, I huh. do oh, he's not in the know jerk. The, sorry, I'm thinking of the, the jerk, which I think is also a. Which again is pre. SNL fame. Yeah. This is this is so boring a conversation. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, um, uh, anyway, um, my my entire point was that Bill Hader uh, has proven himself to be uh, absolutely one of the most talented people to come out of SNL, um, and also played to his strengths whether it be through documentary now whether it be through the movies mm. he makes or even barry, barry the tv show he makes which is Barry's fucking brilliant and anyone should watch it um uh i think it's disappointing that fred armison has uh ended up sort of shying away from a lot of that and doing uh, and being the band leader on seth myers and stuff like that i think it's not playing to his strengths he's a band leader on seth choice. myers he is the man leader on a set of yes. Oh, Fred Armisen, I honestly, I like, I don't love as a guy. Fred Armisen reminds me of the other SNL person who appears in a lot of Tina Fey uh, stuff. She's in, um, like, season one of 30 Rock. She appears in a bunch of, like, side roles. 
Um, I have no clue who you're talking about. Uh, let me look this up because I know she's in wine country too. Oh, we're um, doing a lot of looking up today. While you're doing yeah, that, yeah, let's yeah. talk, our uh, dear listeners, through how we rate these things. So, of course, we rate the project out of five. We rate Anne Hathaway's performance out of five. <laughs> um, the America's Sweetheart Tometer. How much America's Sweetheart is Anne Hathaway in this film? We would normally have Anne's Mans, uh, our, cro- our listing and ranking of all of mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway's love interests. Uh, but she does not have a love interest in this. Um, and then we decide whether we are stashing away this film. Uh, that reminds me of Rachel Drash. Rachel Drash, fair enough. Um, I can Which see the comparison. They appear in a lot of stuff with other former SNL people, and I don't necessarily love them either. I think I think Fred Armisen's great in this. Um, I don't. I haven't loved. Himself. He is also fantastic in um, in Parks and Rec. Uh, but I agree with you. I've not watched yeah, as much of his stuff as uh, other post SNL stars. Um, so, in terms of this project, out of five, Alexander, what are you going to give it? Oh, uh, Solid 4. I really like it. I think it's really funny. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm going Strong 5. I, I love this. This is, this is my jam. We know that. Uh, this is the sort of thing yeah. I was always going to enjoy. But um, I struggled to see how necessary... And other than just maybe giving them a bigger budget and making uh, a mockumentary style akin to the sort of stuff that Andy Samberg has been making with Popstar Never Stop Stopping, or which is obviously a movie, but in that style with a lot more actual film footage or the stuff he did for HBO beforehand, like uh, Seven Seven Days in Hell and mm. uh, The Tour de Pharmacy, um, that mockumentary style where uh, you have a little bit more budget, a little bit more to work with, can potentially open up doors. But I think with the budget they were working with, this is as good as they could have done it. I think it was fantastic. Sure. Five out of five. I'm I, definitely going to watch I, more I, I think for me, it's basically just comes down to, I don't like the first episode as much like the second episode. The second episode for me is a five. The first one had less laughs. Sorry. Oh, but Anne Hathaway is only in the second episode, Alexander. I know, that's great. But then her one gets the five stars, but uh, whereas the first one only gets, you know, three. So it averages out to Fair four. enough, averaging out to four. Uh, Anne Hathaway's performance. She comes out. Uh, I think Ooh. she, I, I assume she was also pregnant while filming this, like she because it's probably filmed around the same time as um, as uh, Colossal, uh, sure. as they come out at the same time. Uh, so good on her for yep. doing this small, silly fucking again, cameo role. Anne Hathaway is game all right <laughs> i stand that lady i'll give her a four i she read that oscar speech like a pro all right Great. yeah um I, I i think she played i'm gonna agree i'm gonna give her a four i think she played herself very well i think she played a very uh, having as someone who had hosted the oscars uh, yeah. I, i'm glad to see her growth in that uh-huh. she feels she looks much more comfortable up there she mm. looks like she owns that stage now she knows she deserves to be there which Bless her, I don't think she necessarily knew in <laughs> when she was yeah, hosting yeah, this. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, America's Sweetheart Tometer. How much of America's Sweetheart is Anne Hathaway in this film? Um, five. She finally gets a chance at redemption. Of course, Jamie, as we know, uh, we've been criticising the past for speaking for the American people when we are not the American people. But let me tell you what, my friends, we are the American people, namely Canada the uk <laughs> we we understand america better than itself all right we we've read, the, we read the scrolls of america we've stolen the declaration of independence we read the map of the back and we know where america's heart is so let me tell you what she's redeemed in this fine look why do you think directors exist if people within a piece could be able to evaluate it and understand it accurately we would only have actors and no directors sometimes you need an eye from the outside to truly understand what's going on and therefore i will agree five this is her redemption arc i'm very happy that is uh there's a great joke in it, which is kind of a play on a kind of standard thing where one of the directors is talking, there's a talking head and he's, you know, some, the guy talking head goes, uh, you know, I was, I, I turned to Jerry once and I said, you know, actors act, directors direct, writers write, producers produce. What the fuck do you do? And Jerry turns to me and Jerry says, I keep the money men's dicks hard without them fucking you, <laughs> uh, which was great. I like that. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic. I, I keep the, I, sorry, I keep the money men's dicks hard. Uh, sorry, no, I keep the money men from fucking you while keeping their dicks hard. It's great. Great on. Very, very good. Well, thank you. Thank you for revisiting it. <laughs> it was much better the second, second time. time. Yeah. Um, slightly very fantastic. Uh, and so, Alexander, will you be placing this? Will you be stashing away this film? Yeah, I like it. I think it's, I think it's funny and sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. I think this will galvanize humanity to fight back against the aliens, if nothing else, because uh, laughter is a communal 
um, activity, Alexander. It's yeah. a thing that brings us all together. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I believe if we all gathered round and watched these silly goof goofs and go hee hee ha ha together, we will be ready to fight back against mm-hmm. the aliens. So normally, when we don't play something in the stash way, we need to replace it with something else. But we don't have to do that this week. So that is us, nice and neatly wrapped up for one more week. Alexander, what can our dear listeners do between this week and next week? Look, pick your favorite episode, download it a hundred times. You know, just just destroy your data overages. Do us a favor thing. Go do that if you can. Of course, go out and tell your friends about us. Uh, we'd obviously like to be, uh, you know, nine people's favorite things, then a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. But maybe we could be five thousand people's fifth favorite thing. That's okay with us too. All right, that's a good yeah. option B if we can't be. Uh, nine people's favorite thing. Uh, you know, go lo- hug your loved ones. And get vaccinated, you idiots. Get vaccinated. Jamie's still on his stupid mamby pamby crappy vaccine. Go out and get properly vaccinated. Go get your Pfizer. All right, go out and be like, Pfizer me, daddy, do it. Get good people vaccinated, Jamie. Get a good one. Uh, and you can join us next week when we will actually be reviewing Oceans 8 with Alyssa Music and I will be making sure that I am hiding far, far away across the Atlantic because last time we did an episode with Alyssa, I was fairly sure I was watching a domestic. But Alexander, I'm not going to let you get in on this. No, no, Alexander. I'm going to start that episode. You have insisted for two years now that that was a domestic. That was Alyssa and I having fun. Like, honestly, it is that Jamie does not like conflict in relationships uh, and then seeing any form of it is like, oh no, they're breaking up on podcast. Uh, So we're going to bring that, but times 10. Okay, guys, it's going to be great. All right, just wait to see us. Uh, No, I don't want to make that joke. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Oh, Alexander, we were so close to having the episode be under an hour. I hate you. (laughs) So from me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more app in the bank. We're going to hate fuck on podcast, all right? That's it, Jamie. (laughs) Do whatever it takes to make you as uncomfortable as possible. I'm really glad you did that right as Alyssa came in the room. So she was witness to this promise. Hi, Alyssa. That's not going to happen. Maybe our domestic will start early this time. (laughs) Blank spank, 